Daniel, it's just you and I today. How are you? Good. Um, that's why I had to wear all the uh, Leafs merchandise today to bounce it out for Alex. So I, I have, a, I have the, the waiting room on when I host Zoom calls. Normally, Alex has it open, and he's the one who hosts and then records everything, right? Uh, and I, just, I admit Daniel into the room, and he just got, like, he's, what is that, a Tavares jersey? It's a Tavares jersey, yes. He got, like, the Leafs toque on. I just, I, somebody call you bias. Maybe. I don't know. Who you did know. you have winning the cup again? The Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, there yes, it was. There we go. I mean, after game one versus Tampa, they looked to be in pole position to at least knock them off. My goodness, what happened there? Do we yeah. want to start with the Leafs in, in Tampa? Then? Yes. One thing before we start. Um, it's a funny thing. With that preview Alex posted um, of me saying my pick, I've had a lot of friends message me about it. They were like, well, that is a very, very bold one. But yeah. You have to go for it. Like if like we always talk again, we talk about the core. We talk about how good they are. Yeah. When are you ever going to bet on them? That's fair. Uh, I have not looked at the TikTok comments. Again, I don't have TikTok, but mm. I, I can only imagine that they're a little spicy, a little spicy after that. But hey, OK, so uh, game two is tonight for Tampa, Toronto. Uh, the reason Alex is not here is he is going to the game. Uh, mm. So that's pretty sweet for him. Enjoy it, buddy. Uh, if he can get half his enjoyment as game one was, then he's in for a good night. Uh, story of game one, the Tampa Bay Lightning looked, f- I have never seen them play like the furthest away from the Tampa Bay Lightning as I did in game one. Kucherov didn't look like Kucherov. Stamkos didn't look like Stamkos. Vasilevsky had some bad moments there. Daniel, what are your big takeaways from game one? How do you think the Leafs played? You know, the Leafs, they are, we kept talking about them riding this wave of consistency. They were on that high, the high point, I guess, of being consistent and doing what they needed to do. I think they just caught a Tampa team that just had a bit of a break and they just looked lethargic out there. This is going to be a team that you're not going to see like that the entire series. I think they're going to bring it a lot more in game two, but I think the Leafs caught a break game one because that a lot of the decision making too from Vasilevsky that I saw there like that's not the guy we usually see do things like that the giveaway to Matthews especially yeah um you know we're gonna get to a goalie giveaways later on in another series but (laughs) 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 but yeah I think um it was great that the, the Leafs hit the ground running they got what they needed to for game one but again job's not done they're gonna have a new. They're gonna have a Tampa team that's gonna adjust to the way the Leafs are playing right now for the playoffs. So I expect it to be a lot closer tonight. Uh, I w- I would assume so as well. The, the two time champs are gonna aren't gonna go down unless they're going down swinging. I guess well they did they did go down swinging at the end of game one. What was it three different fines were handed out? Something that worried me actually after the game was Patrick Maroon didn't want to comment on anything, and I'm sure a lot of Leafs fans are happy to see him. Because normally he's a very loud individual, but I wonder if that's a sign of like Tampa just knew just how badly they had laid an egg in that game. It was just like Tampa's power play was, if you remember, Daniel, uh, between the second and third rounds, remember how the Habs went like those two rounds without allowing a power play goal? And it was once they got to the finals, it was right away in game one um, that Tampa broke it. That power play, we know how special it is and how effective it is. And it just didn't. Uh, like, obviously, you give credit to the penalty kill for the Leafs, and they've obviously always had a very aggressive style. But, like, quick passes that you need to do to sort of combat that is something Tampa are known for. And I think besides maybe I think Braden Point had a good look in the bumper at, 
in the later half of the game, but I just like it, I can't get over just how bad Tampa looked. Yeah, they're going to look better like we all expect that, but we can't really talk more about that until later this week when we see a bit more of the series. But, man, I just – the Leafs got to be feeling themselves right now after that. They must feel so confident. Like, if they can get past Tampa, not to mention a bit, a bit of yourselves, like if they get confidence, keep going, and Mitch Marner finally got a playoff goal. Finally. It was like the first time <laughs> since he signed this this new contract. Yeah. Um, I think you talked about it, Daniel, for your prediction. If they get past Tampa – they're going to feel like they can beat anyone. Yeah, I think th- definitely. Like, this is the test. Um, as much as we wanted the Bruins exercise those demons, we, maybe that's going to happen a lot later on. But I think Tampa is just that threshold, I think. As, you know, the two-time champs, as, as a team that despite being a bit of the lower seed, which is still very close, um, this is the team that, that that is the bar, I think, right now for the Leafs, that... I think that a lot of people wanted them to see a different team, see how they could get out of the first round. But I think if you're going to go through a big challenge like this with Tampa along the line, along like a contender like this, why not just get it over with? And I just really hope because we, we, we've talked about this before. Alec has talked about it before. You've talked about it before where those, those things we have to fix along the way. I just hope it stays like that. I just hope that Toronto is able to tell them, tell, sell themselves now, like, okay, the regular season's done. We don't really have much room anymore to get, to have those type of games of thinking, oh, what just happened? No, like, even if you do get a loss, keep it close. Because I think that right now, this is the team that they're under the most pressure. I think that's fair. Um, I like what you said about, you know, get it out the way now because that was the sort of mindset the Celtics had against Brooklyn in the first round of the NBA playoffs. The <laughs> yes. basketball for you there. And, you know, good series versus uh, Milwaukee right now. Eh, big game to win, big game to win. Anyway, we, we like basketball here. We like yeah, basketball. We Even though, you know what, it's it's such a difficult time if you're – I can only imagine how Will's doing it right now. Will Baldwin, our good friend, um, because he's obviously keeping an eye on Calgary series and he's watching all like – a bunch of the NHL stuff, but like keeping up with the first round in the playoffs is difficult enough. But then I imagine you do that while the NBA playoffs are going on at the same time. Like it's the second round. So there's not as many teams and for basketball, but like, I'm going to be like, Daniel, I'll be honest. Boston series against Carolina. I think I watched half a period so far. Tampa, Toronto. I watched game one, St. Louis, Minnesota. I haven't been able to watch a second of. Um, LA Edmonton, I watched the first two periods and had to go to the bank, so it wasn't feeling well. Pittsburgh, New York, well, I watched nearly six <laughs> periods of that. Um, Washington, Florida, I only got like five minutes of. Nashville, Colorado, I didn't get to watch because the Rangers game was going on. And Dallas, Calgary, I didn't get to watch any of. Um, I want to throw that out there because I don't want to talk about a series too much. And I can only go on, we can only go on like stat lines and that and what people are saying, but we haven't watched them. So I want to make it clear because I don't like when when people start talking about series and you can tell they haven't watched them. Um, so I want to put a bit of transparency out there. Um, and obviously because we care mostly about the Leafs and Habs, the Habs aren't in the playoffs. We're going to have a lot of focus on the Leafs, but we are going to try and keep an eye on all the other series. Um, but then again, I don't know how much people are expecting a lot of talk about Colorado and Nashville um, because so far is what we expected without UC Soros, Colorado, have been on a rampage. Uh, but before, I don't want to go fully off the Leafs here. I want, because I want to know your thoughts on the Kyle Clifford hit. I think it was on Ross Colton, right? 
Um, He gets the misconduct for it. He gets thrown out the game. By the way, that penalty kill in that major uh, was, I think, the moment the Leafs won the game without scoring a goal, funny enough. What did you think of the hit? Did you like it? Did you not? I think it was just a typical Kyle Clifford hit. I've seen him do this before, especially on L.A., and we knew that it was going to get rough like this. We knew that these things were going to happen, and, yeah, one game suspension, I'll I'll take it. I'll take it for what it was. I don't think it's something that you could really argue for too much saying that, you know, this and this was unfair for anything. Um, I like what Kyle Clifford gives to the team. I think that there is that added toughness there now, but it it is what it is. It it is. It just speaks to the type of player he was, and it not necessarily is something that I think is going to shift anything coming into game two. I think that's fair. I thought it was a reckless hit, to be honest. I thought it was very reckless um, to throw. And if Tampa decided to actually have shown up in that game, I think it very much could have screwed the Leafs. But I think the penalty kill very much cleaned up for it there. Um, when I saw that for it was Hin Simmons and it was like Colin Blackwell's the fourth, fourth, the full fourth line. Yeah. I was like, I don't know how long Clifford's going to stay in the lineup. And uh, that was before the suspension. Yeah. Um, so um, that would be interesting. I was shocked, even though I knew it, would hap- it was going to happen. I was shocked to see Spets in the, in the, uh, in the uh, like with the rest of the scratch guys in the stands. I was like, that's, that's strange. But uh, like both it's coaches weird. have yeah. said, it's borderline violence right now. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, this is not 2013 level of like a Colton or Fraser McLaren type of fourth line. But I think that there had to be that element of toughness there coming in. Um, we spoke about it before. I don't think that the, Toronto, the way they're built, the way they have these matchups right now, you can't bring in that speedy fourth line that I know Cal Dubas really likes that they've deployed before. Um, of course, you're going to have to have guys that could skate, but you're not going to have guys that are just going to be secondary scorers because you really knew you really do need that grit when these games get really close. You do. And well, you look at the fourth line in uh, you look at the fourth line of Tampa and what is it? It's Bellamar, Perry and Maroon. And those are two guys that you're just kind of like, I just, I don't want to go into games against them. Um, I wonder if there's a bit of the Leafs that right now are, are looking at Corey Perry and they're remembering last year. That's what I would do. That's what I would do. Um, I imagine. Yeah. Go ahead. I thought Corey Perry would be so entrenched in our lives. I mean, he's always been entrenched in my life, but in terms of all three of our lives in the last few years, I miss him every day. He's not a hab. I miss him so much. Uh, How funny is it that he he loses back to back years against Tampa in the finals? Might go, then, sorry, then he goes to Tampa and might lose in the first round. That'd be hilarious. It would be very funny. I would be, I'd feel bad for him, but. I mean, he has his cup already. He could take these risks. <laughs> and tens of millions of dollars. Yes. Uh, he's fine. Or not as much as you think, according to Chris Pronger. No. Um, <clears throat> what a funny Twitter thread. Um, we teased a little earlier. We can talk about Nashville, Colorado. Um, Did well, you see what I sent on uh, Instagram? No. I may have, but just refresh my memory. Okay. Like, so um, there's a football player on the Tennessee Titans. Okay. And what happened is Nashville just, they tweeted out to nothing, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I and then uh, the player, uh, Taylor Lewin, said Nashville, exclamation point, hockey town. And then the reply was, Taylor, we're not winning. So I think it was, I think our Cherry Lackadon made it for nothing for David Riddich to get pulled. And final score, I believe, was seven to two. 
Um, it is what we expected. Uh, maybe not as maybe not four or five goals in the first half of the game. Uh, I think that's being generous. It might have been in the first twenty-five minutes of the game. Um, but it is. Um, it's not going to be a fun series if Soros continues to be out, and he probably will be for uh, Nashville and Colorado. I think we all said five games, and I think we were all being very generous now. Looking back, yeah, I think um, I called it already. I, 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 you know, I'm jumping the gun right now, but I thought this was going to be a sweep, especially without UC Soros. I think they would have stolen a game if he was there. Yeah, but I don't know. It's what you can expect. I think. Um, and this also correlates well with Nazim Kadri's Player Tribune uh, article that came out today and his own belief, too, in he thinks it's Colorado's year. Yeah. And we really do look back on what happened to them the last two years, that injuries happened, that consistency issues were there, and they were always upset by a lower seed. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really have those deep runs that we expected out of them. And... I think Colorado right now, just they're just more focused. I think that they had the same issues when it came to injuries, but they've been able to roll with them a lot better, that it wasn't detrimental to them. I think a big thing, too, is that as much as we love him on the show, Michael Hutchinson's not your starting goalie, so that's a good start there. Um, their defense, despite they have the injuries to the one or two guys, I think they're just so deep that they have the next man up. And then when it comes to the goal scoring, we saw it already. Even without a Gabe Landeskog there, they have everybody who's just so focused and they're just all playing their game. Well, so say that last part again. My computer's audio is being very silly. Oh, no problem. Um, like, wait, the, the offense? Uh, the Landeskog bit. Like, even when they don't have a main cog, like Gabe Landeskog in okay. the top six, they have the next man up who's been able to just play the system and everyone's just consistent and playing their game. And we saw that with the seven goals. Handsome man, Gabriel Landeskog, handsome man. I'm sure they're happy he's back for the playoffs, but even you talk about it in the regular season, the credit to you, they never slowed down when he was out. Uh, they never slowed down. I mentioned he's handsome because I was watching uh, on the Madison Square Garden Network. I was watching the Rangers game on uh, and Henrik Lundqvist was working and I just look at him like, this just, it's just not fair that, that such a man exists. Such a specimen. He's got a suit. He just like, like, I don't think Henrik Lundqvist needs like a stylist or something. Like, I bet he brings his own suits for the, everyone else to be like, this is good style. Like, he doesn't need the makeup person. He just shows up and he's a rock star. I yeah, can't stand it. It's something about it. Just at first I thought like, it's just a tailored suit, but just kind of, it's also his demeanor. I think that just sells smile. it for me. He's yeah, a the smile, the confidence. Yeah. He, those eyes, he's just like Henrik. It, it's not fair that, that people like Henrik Lundqvist exists. Athlete, I can play the guitar. I, I just uh, Henrik Lundqvist, Henrik Lundqvist. Um, but yeah, um, people were, were talking about maybe Yaroslav Skarov coming in. Man, if you go down two, three, nothing, I, I'd say screw it, just get him in there. Why not? Yeah, I mean, like, what else are you gonna do? It's happened before. I think last year, um, Spencer Knight came in. You know, his first playoff game was against the defending champs. Yeah, yeah. Um, years ago, um, when, like, yeah, Frederick Anderson was just not cutting it anymore for, I think, the first two games. Like, a 20-year-old John Gibson came in against the Kings in the, uh, I believe it was the second round yeah. of the playoffs. So, 
Yeah, I mean, it has it's happened before, but I think Nashville's at a point right now where the depth's just running out. That you take out a main guy like UC Soros, and this was a team already that they lost quite a few pieces in the offseason, but they still were able to make it work. And then you're at a point now where, yeah, bringing in your young goalie is probably one of the upfront options now because you just, you can't, as much as I say David Riddish is a Leafs legend, we've also seen him play in the playoffs like a few times. So especially for Calgary, I, I just don't trust him. I don't think Nashville could keep going with that. There's a reason Calgary went out and got Jacob Markstrom a couple of years ago. They did not trust Big Save Dave. Uh, kind of like how they didn't trust Mike Smith, and it's amazing to me that teams continue to trust Mike Smith. I defended that guy last year in this, and he just betrayed me. Uh, so Edmonton, L.A. first first uh, game one was, was pretty interesting. Uh, the big headline coming out of it was the Phil Deneau line being amazing, um, Victor, which is really funny because uh, Victor Arvidsson's not playing. So uh, I want to double-check the exact line itself because I know that – you talk about another Leafs legend. Uh, Trevor Moore is on that line too right now. Yeah. I can't remember who the third guy is. Let me just get it up. Even though sometimes daily face-off, I don't know if it's just me, but when I try and open daily face-off, sometimes it can be very uh, meh. Like it, it, it crashes a lot. Uh, Alex Ayavalo, the pro- like very quiet, good player. Remember they extended him at the deadline last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's been a really, really good line. And I think the time they played against McDavid and Dreisaitl, um, they were just killing them. Like, as in, like, defensively, they were amazing, which is never a surprise to Phil you know, He gets a couple of points, including the game-winning goal, which came from Mike Smith <laughs> playing the pop. No, uh, Daniel, listen. <laughs> I just... Listen, I'm not a hockey... I, I'm not a hockey player. I've never played hockey. Mm-hmm. But even I know, if you're a goalie and you're about to play the puck, unless you're going for a goal on an empty netter, if you're trying to break the puck out or help your defenseman out, use the boards. Why is your first option in your mind to shoot it down the middle of the ice? He makes the initial save, but then in the whole ruckus of the whole thing, instead of you know maybe doing a pass along the boards that maybe helps with a breakout or something, maybe defenseman's able to chip it out. The whole play starts, and a few seconds afterwards, Phil Deneau gets the game-winning, what would end up being the game-winning goal. Uh, it just, <laughs> it was so bad. I have to, let me find this tweet um, that I screenshotted the other day, which is very funny from Jonathan Willis on Twitter. Mike Smith has now lost 10 consecutive playoff games, including all six he's played for the Oilers. And I believe his save percentage is sub 900. And they still keep playing him. So oh, like we knew it was going to be a close series. I think that the Oilers do have the talent. And I've talked about what I called it the two-headed monster. That is Anze Kopitar and Phil Deneau. Well, I also call them the, the straight jacket lines. Yeah, yes, that was a good one. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think that that's what kept it really close, especially for the Kings who don't have the same type of scoring power right now. And for the game to end, just like how we always joke about it of Mike Smith with another miscue, I think that that's going to really hurt the Oilers. I think if this is not an indication now that you shouldn't have run it back with the same guys, then this is definitely it. This is definitely showing that if you waste another playoff series for McDavid and Dreisaitl, I really think that this is this is not the nail in the coffin, but this is really going to, this is going to start the conversation of 
can they win there? Um, are they getting the right support? And is this something that they're going to keep dealing with? Because McDavid is going to be what twenty six next year. It'll be a little jacked. You know what's really funny about that, by the way, uh, Daniel? I believe Mike Smith has another year in his contract. Oh my god! So he's coming back next year. I mean, let's see who they can sign in the off season. Uh, go get go get Jake Allen from Montreal for whatever. Even though Price is gone, then it doesn't really. Then I don't see him going. Uh, he will be twenty six in January. Okay. Which is it? That he does not feel that old. So that right now is he's entering what you could call his prime. Mm-hmm. Even though which he's is ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's good, man. But just Great. the Oilers are not. Listen, just letting him down. They like like Jay Woodcroft has an air of confidence where I trust him when I hear him talk. Um, and you know, like that's the kind of guy that I don't think Jay Woodcroft needs to be a great tactician. He just needs to be a guy that can motivate. Because I mean, like, how how many times have you? I'm not blaming any of this on McDavid, by the way. Before I say this, but how many times have you seen McDavid just kind of look like a sad puppy on the bench, like Henrik Lundqvist used to be after allowing a bad goal or something? Um, and I feel like sometimes that would kind of rub off on the Oilers. And there was always that old effect of when Leon and Connor aren't able to get them going, then um, do the Oilers themselves feel like we can't do this now? We're not, if the big guys aren't scoring, what help do we have? I feel like Woodcroft is the type of guy who can get them going and keep that morale up. It's just when you have Phil Deneau breathing down your neck. By the way, um, what, what was it everyone was saying last year was just because of Carey Price to have someone as far as they did? But now we give Phil Deneau the credit. Interesting. Um, this is a tweet from Harmon Dial. Phil Deneau played the combination of 826 at 5-on-5 head-to-head against McG- uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid. Edmonton managed just one shot on that in that sample. Deneau flexing his elite defensive chops once again. Um, but we'll see what happens in game two. Um, I don't. I honestly have no idea how it's going to go. Um, that's a great part of the playoffs is you never know. But Mike Smith. Uh, and I think Smith ha- has been confirmed to start tonight for game two. Uh, or last night, depending on when you hear this. Um, or, you know, thank you for listening, by the way, if you're listening right now. Hey, thank you. Thank you. We love you. <laughs> um, maybe, and, or Alex, as he's editing this, how are you? How was the game? Yeah. Hopefully it was enjoyable for you. And Please let uh, us know what jersey you wore. Yeah. Well, I, he has to wear the Bogosian one, right? Of course. Yeah. He has to. Absolutely. For sure. Uh, for sure. Mike Smith, though, uh, always give us content. Alex wishes he was here to talk about Mike Smith. Did you um okay so did did you see that Toronto Star feature about the guy that wore the Thomas Cabriolet jersey? No. Okay, so what happened was he got his he went to um Maple Leaf Square, had his cab he decided to wear his Cabriolet jersey, and then Cabriolet showed up as one of the guests. So he got one of his jerseys signed, and then he was featured in a Toronto Star article about just a coincidence of things. And then um I remember um Alex was talking to me about it and we made a joke where I'm like, you think if I show up to Maple Leafs care with my Andrew Raycroft jersey, he's going to be one of the invited guests back for a Leafs alumni? Dude, I think you have a better chance going to a Bruins thing because doesn't he do their TV? Yeah, he does. I don't know about, I don't know how welcome Andrew Raycroft is by the alumni of the Leafs, to be honest. It's been several years. He's talked about on The Athletic with James Myrtle. I think... I think there should be love for Andrew Raycroft. Well, now that Rask is retired, maybe give it another year and maybe he'll be more present. Maybe. I, I don't know, but, you know, that's, that's certain. We should ask him on Twitter. It's like, hey, would you like to talk about it on the podcast? Why not? Let's see if we can get him on. Um, 
more goalie controversies, or maybe it's just me thinking about this. I want to talk about Minnesota and St. Louis. Four nothing. He's going in again. Did you see Michael Russo's tweet? Which one? Let me see if I can find this again. Uh, it was a nice little. Um, it wasn't a dig, obviously, because you you, you can't dig at Mark Andre Fleury uh, unless you are the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, remind you that they are. Uh, it is Michael Russo, right? I, I always I always get it mixed up with the Wizards of Waverly Place character. Alex Here Russo, who looks like Jake Allen. Uh, yes, yes. Um, yeah. Okay, hold on. Let me find it. Let me. It's a thing about Cam, uh, Cam Talbot. Uh, as I can just quickly scroll down here. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry as I continue. Cam Talbot, uh, 13-0-3 in his final 16, uh, assessing things during Minnesota Wild morning skate. I'm not blaming Marc-Andre Fleury for the loss in game one. I'm simply asking the question, would you continue to go with Marc-Andre Fleury? Yes. Um, not, okay, I think two reasons. I have a maybe my bias standpoint. Yeah. But... I don't know, like, even if it was, I don't know, this is like splitting hairs right now. <laughs> even if it was one nothing, they'd still be losing that game. <laughs> Did that make well, sense? Maybe, maybe Tabla makes the saves if Flurry doesn't. I don't know. It's just with the Wild, um, I think goaltending, yeah, that it was shaky, but also their offense was pretty shaky. Um, St. Louis doesn't have the fortress they once had on the blue line. You know what, though? They used to be, they used to bite you on that big defense or just the general size the team played with. Nowadays, though, they bite you on the power play. Yeah. That was a big thing against Minnesota, is they got a little on this one. Jared Spurgeon. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about that? By he the was way? lucky, by the way. He didn't get suspended. He was okay. so lucky. May I turn back the clock for a second? Okay. Do you remember what happened earlier this year involving the Minnesota Wild and the Montreal Canadiens? Remember when Christian Dvorak missed some uh, significant time in the middle of the season? Mm-hmm. After he was headshotted by Jared Spurgeon, everyone who didn't even get a hearing for it. Do you remember that? I saw and the everyone, jokes when they're like, oh, it's his height. It's because he's not a, he has to hit up. Uh, which is what they said about, oh, stop it. Because that's what they said about um, Tyler Myers. Tyler Myers, Joel yeah. Mia, and I'm pretty sure also concussed Jake Evans. At, at some point, tall players need to learn to play you know, a couple of inches taller than everyone else. That's, that's a, I hate that excuse. Um, does the cross check? Uh, oh my God. Why am I drawing a blank? Uh, I was Pavlovitz Nevich. They're both on their knees. Uh, Spurgeon's behind him and he gives him a cross check to the back of his legs. Now what's dangerous is there is padding somewhere on the legs to players where they're sorry. There is no padding. There's no protection. That's why sometimes you've ever seen a, t- a player take a puck to the leg. It can really sting them. So it's a very dangerous, very reckless play. And you can make the argument for intent to injure. Now, what Elliot Freeman was talking about, uh, 32 Thoughts, was, um, and if you remember, when Matthews got his cross-checking suspension, uh, Freeman was actually the reason I mentioned Freeman here. He was very sort of uh, diligent talking about that. Um, there was precedent for Matthews' his, his slash, oh, sorry, his cross-check because it was to the face. Uh, and at the NHL, because there was no injury, player safety have a lot of hit, like a consistent hin- uh, a consistent history of not suspending cross checks that don't injure a player. That's obviously not. I don't like that. Um, but that is, it's it's not great history, but is it is them being consistent. A lot of people say they weren't, but what Freeman was mentioning is they actually very much are here. It's not the right line of consistency. 
but yeah, I, I think it's, an, and I gave Jared Spurgeon my defensive defenseman of the year award last episode. Uh, I like the player. I had him on team Canada, but yeah, I thought he was very lucky to uh, not get something there. Cause that was a, a stupid, dangerous play on my, in, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. I think it just represented what you said about the way the wild played and they were just, they have that air to them where it is, has, has helped with, them being gritty, them playing their style, but they got to dial it back a bit for the playoffs. Like those type of things are just, what are you doing? I, I expected that from a younger player, not from your veteran captain. Yeah, I expected it from a Marcus Foligno, not from a Jared Spurgeon. Even Ryan Hartman feels like he would do something kind of on yeah. the edge, sort of stupid aggression. You know what I mean? That feels like uh, just, yeah, not Spurgeon. That was very irresponsible. It's very irresponsible. Uh, hopefully Minnesota can um, see here's what's really important is um, the, the Penguins don't have any more goalies and Minnesota are down one, nothing right now. And if both of them are down, my bracket is, do, is only down to Calgary. Um, like I, I could be in a very bad place in my bracket. Not going to lie. Uh, moving on from Minnesota and all that. I think I deleted my Colorado stuff on the Google Doc. I think right now in my bracket, um, I'm only losing on two. Who's so that? I'm losing on the Wild and the Blues, and then I'm losing on the Capitals and the Panthers. Okay, uh, uh, then we can talk about that because I am stunned that the Capitals won a game. I am. Yeah. I am. I have no idea what happened. And my, my buddy who was a big Caps fan, I texted him like what happened and he was actually, he was in class. Uh, so he couldn't actually watch what happened. Let's see. Cause Tom Wilson went down. I saw Bob Gartner talking about some neutral zone play. Uh, I am stunned. And Ovechkin's a little bitten up right now. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was good to see the Vanacek got the start for Washington. That was the right, that was the right decision to make. Yeah. You called that by the way. Because he's better than Samsonov. Uh, he's much better than Samsonov. Uh, but um, it was, uh, uh, what, what, what's going on? It's one game. We don't, we don't want to overreact yeah. to one game, but we only have one game to talk about. Man. It was uh, pretty ironic because of, for the broadcasting, Ryan Callahan, for the entire, because I watched most of this game. Um, he talked about, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky's back. You know, he had a bit of a bad uh, rap and when it came to the playoffs and, I don't know. It was like that third period collapse in a way for him that it would, they were two, it was two, one Florida going into the third period, like midway through, like I think with 12 minutes left, it was still two, one Florida. Uh, that's, that's why in my bracket, I don't have them going as deep as a lot of people do. Uh, beside also me also not wanting to be too boring with saying them Colorado in the future. It's just, it's just, uh, it's the same thing with Jack Campbell when they go too deep. Like I like Campbell, but I don't think he was a super, Tested in game one is well, Vasilevsky was just bad. Um, but you know, sort of comparing it, and the reason I bring up Toronto here is just because those are the two sort of questionable. I'm not doing like the make it about the Leafs thing, I'm comparing two Atlantic teams that are very questionable in goal. In our playoff review, we talked about how many questions there are in goal around a lot of teams going into the, the playoffs. Um, and Bobrovsky's there, man. I, uh, I, I, I've been seeing him play well all year, but I'm just in the back of my mind, I've been like. I don't know, man. I, I don't know about Brodsky. I still think they're going to win the series because uh, they just have the firepower to just say, uh, we're going to win this game because we want to. Um, but um, they need to um, 
Listen, Bobrovsky wasn't the only reason they lost. Again, they had some bad turnovers in that. Yeah. Um, but uh, they they need to uh, they really need to be like, what are we doing here, guys? We need to. No offense, but the Capitals are kind of old and not great anymore. Hundred point season, I get that, but you know the East was kind of bad, and the Caps were just they're old, they're washed. I think I gave Florida five games, so I'm still technically kind of there if uh, they win the think, next yeah. four. Yeah. I think we all said five. Yeah. 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 Um, so not, again, sorry, not much to say there, but, uh, we can try and hopefully again, once we get to the second round, it's going to be so much easier to keep a track of the first round is just such a whirlwind. It's a lot. This is why, um, random fact, but this is why I applaud people who, oh, like, cause I only done it a few times in my life and it's been sporadic. Yeah. I don't know how people do March madness brackets sometimes. Like they're insane. <laughs> Well, is it not that's like isn't it like 40 teams or something it's yeah in, ah man that's that's uh i have a difficult enough time guessing one series sometimes much less this uh, i couldn't deal with that stress especially when it was like what well, after like the first few days it was like no good brackets anymore there's so many upsets yeah remember 2019 when all the division leaders lost in the nhl yes, were like yes. hey you completely sold out said you can all do your brackets again Wait, like what are you doing um, you know, I was mad that year because I, I got St. Louis perfectly. Um, but I mean, I had them beating Tampa in the finals and Tampa got swept, but we won't, won't talk about that. I won't talk about that. What we can talk about though, um, can be Boston and Carolina because it doesn't matter who's in net because Carolina's system is a great anti Ranta, uh, started game one. Um, and it wasn't bad. It did look, um, that towards the third, I, I, I'm lying here. I did have Bruins Carolina on my computer while watching the Leafs game, but the Leafs game had more of my attention. It did look like in the third period that Boston were sort of starting to come back. Um, but Carolina just sort of grinded that game out. Um, I still, still am confident in Bruins in six. Really? I still am because I'm starting to lose confidence in all my other predictions. So I have to. Uh, I have to, but I mean, it's, it's one more game though, away from Patrice Bergeron becoming a hab. Oh, we're still on that. I thought it was, uh, uh, I thought uh, it was the last dance Patrice Bergeron we're talking about last episode. Yeah. Well, it both can be true. It's last dance for like half the East, to be honest, Pittsburgh, especially, but you know, we'll get to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. but Boston, eh? nice. Yeah. Um, I still think this is going to seven, um, but I, I gave the edge to Carolina this time because I think. I'm just optimistic about teams learning from their mistakes. Well, there are multiple losses and mistakes the past few years, especially when it comes to the Bruins. So I, I think the excuses I gave was, oh, inexperience, a lot of young guys coming up, especially that offense that keeps being retooled with different guys. And, you know, they didn't really do much this Well, they lost Dougie Hamilton. But I think that this is a team that knows the system, knows what they need to do, and – like Boston is still going to give them a huge challenge, but I just still feel it. And I'm probably, this might bite me again because I'm doubting the Bruins again. And I'm thinking that this is just not the same team they were two years ago, that they're not going to be able to push Carolina the same way. I mean, it's, they are, they are a weaker team now, but I mean, their defense is arguably better because I was just bringing Lent home. You never know what goaltender Swayman could steal a few more games or some games. It still hurts me when you mentioned that. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I feel like yeah. sometimes, like it's just 
because like, I don't know. For me, okay, in my opinion, like Ricard Raquel's a perfect. He's perfect on the Penguins. It just it just makes sense to me, right? Like, I love them as a duck, but it just makes sense. But for some reason, with Hampus Lindholm, it's just when he was traded. I don't know why. For me, it's just I'm like, oh, oh, I can't, I can't let go. Especially with the Bruins getting him. Both both our teams shipped out a lot of fan favorites. To be fair, you know, we're we're both kind of living on. At least you have the Leafs to fall back on. I'm just here, like, yeah, I'm just. You're not gonna go for the Leafs. I remember. Uh, no, I'm a Habs fan. No. Last I remember, year, I'm, I'm Colorado, but you know, I haven't been able to watch them yet. I remember uh, last year in the finals where um John Tory every night for games like in honor of the Habs in the finals, the CN Tower will be uh Montreal Canadiens colors, and then it's like okay, and then everyone was like, seriously, man. You're reminding the Niagara Falls too. That was some of yeah. the happiest few weeks of my life. But um, that's what I always told now. you. Um, I always, um, if you didn't go to the game, I always said, Adam, be careful, don't go into the streets. I yeah, I, and I went down for after Game Six to celebrate, and then the cops used partial tear gas. Stung, <laughs> stung. Um, but you know, uh, anyway, um, Pittsburgh. Only two more to get to. We'll say Pittsburgh and New York. Um, make people wait the longest to see the longest game in these playoffs. Okay. Um, so second last series, Dallas Calgary. It's a it's a one nothing Calgary win. I think that Dallas had like three shots in the third period. By the way, um, that sounds like them. Like one nothing. <laughs> that's a very good point. Uh, one nothing is such an appropriate score for this series. By the way, uh, I put in the notes. I accidentally said appreciate score instead of appropriate. Uh, that's embarrassing for me. Uh, you don't see it, but I felt like it needed to be mentioned. Um, but I mean, Jake Ottinger is giving him. A, I said in the preview, like Ottinger can steal you a few games, but I was kind of. I was kind of hoping that Dallas could at least score one. Again, it's that one. It's that one line. But I guess the the Flames are doing a good job of shutting down Robertson and that. And then, what a shame! What a shame! But I don't think anyone's surprised seeing a low scoring game from not only the Stars but also from the Flames, coached by Daryl Sutter, who's all about those low scoring defensive games. Yeah, um, I, I watched. Most of this as well. It's a bit of a boring one. Um, I saw that. Yeah, it was a grinded out type of game and not really much I could say for it other than like, let's see what happens in game two and who adjusts. Um, The one thing I'd like to bring up though was John Klingberg where um, that situation happened and Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. So what what happened with him at Rasmus Anderson? Because I completely missed this, and I just saw people going Klingberg was like, he's Rasmus Anderson is not as tough as he think he is. What, What happened? Yeah. Um, so basically, what happens is like they get into a bit of a tussle. In a, a bruhaha. A bruhaha. Yes, in game one. Um, and it was like, so the f- what happened was there was an original fight. It was Matthew Kachuk and Michael Raffle. Of course, it was. Yes, and then after that fight finished, Anderson and Klingberg engaged with each other, and then it was it was really like. It, it was like it was just like kind of a weird fight because these two guys you don't think about fighting, and then it was just Klingberg coming out after saying like, "Oh, Anderson thinks he's such a tough guy," and you know, like he thinks what he's like. It's it was such a weird thing to me because I think about like Rasmus Anderson, you're oh, gonna come out and talk about geez. this guy yeah. when the Flames are built on toughness all around their team, mm-hmm. and like something like this happens. I don't know. It was just kind of like something where a lot of people were saying that 
we're not saying it. A lot of commenters are saying it that oh, Klingberg, he just soft player. He didn't like what what happened there. He didn't like being engaged in the fight, and it just they leave it at that. But I think <laughs> from a one nothing game, that's something that like okay, that's probably the most exciting thing that happened. Well, didn't didn't Klingberg say like I'm not the toughest guy, but Anderson he caught. First of all, it's just weird to see two Swedes going at it. Yeah, they never do that. that. That's interesting. That's how bad it. I mean, then again, it's like, it's like what? What is it? So the stars are like second Finland because half their defense are Finnish, and then um, and I feel like is Rupe Hints Finnish? I don't know. Rupe Hints, I guess. Or is Radic so. Faxa one of those? And then it's just a bunch of Swedes on Calgary, and like half of them are friends. Or is oh, Rupe like, Hints is Finnish. You see, he's Finnish. See, and then yeah, Radic Faxa is he's from. Czech Republic. Czech Republic. But anybody like Hawk and Paw, uh, yeah, Haskinen yeah. and that, like they're all Finnish. And then you've got Rasmus Anderson. Pretty sure Markstrom is actually Finnish. Um, who was the guy that got at the deadline from Seattle, who's like apparently cousins with one of them, with Lindholm, who's also Swedish, I'm pretty sure. Kelly Yarncroak. Kelly Yarncroak. Yeah. Like they're just, it's Finland versus Sweden right now. Oh. And they're going nuts. And then a Czech guy in there. A Czech guy not named Thomas was, I don't like, that's not real. I mean, there's not Thomas and you check, and I don't know if you're actually check. I, I don't know about that. Um, remember Ivan Ivan from the World Juniors? Thought, no, so apparently that wasn't his last name. I think no. it may have been his first and middle name, but I remember Ivan Ivan, yeah. It's like Shaft, which is one name. Well, it's just it's the whole thing. Yeah. Yvonne. Um, <laughs> Pittsburgh, New York. Um, oh, by the way, yeah, I mean, Dallas. I still don't see him winning this series. Um, Pittsburgh, New York. Um, so after I watched like the first period with my dear mother, and then I watched the second and third and first overtime, I believe Alex and Mike, Alex went to bed. Um, and then Mike and I obviously continued to watch the game. Uh, I feel really bad for him. Uh, he was not happy about it. It goes to three OT, uh, Igor Shosturkin makes 79 saves, which is the second most in the playoff game ever, only behind Jonas Corposalo for 85. And his playoff debut, right? No, his playoff. I think it was his first playoff. Yes, because yeah. last year was no, yeah, I was playing last time. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they and they got swept by. I don't even know if he played every game too. Uh, again, but yeah, the play-in didn't count. They get swept by yeah. Carolina. Um. I don't mean to, you know, salt in the wound there, Mike. I'm sorry. Um, it's really funny at the end of the game. I'm like, I'm sorry. I tried to make Mike feel, but I'm like, I'm sorry, man. You got seven games. And he just said to me, screw you. You had them getting, you had them getting swept by Pittsburgh and he hung up. <laughs> oh no. He listened to the episode. And, uh, <laughs> no, and it wasn't just the episode. Remember I put, I put my bracket oh, yeah, on yeah. and I tagged all of you in it so you could see it. Mm-hmm. But I tried to soften it because for my predictions, Mike didn't like it, but I said, Gerard Gallant is an excellent coach. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we talked about that. He talked about that. Um, I don't know. Maybe the Rangers do get swept. He does end up uh, somewhere else. Maybe Detroit. I think they're looking up for. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, anyway, uh, Pittsburgh new. Yeah, yeah. So um, the game goes to three OT. Yeah, sorry. Corpusalo had has the record of eighty five. That was that five OT game a couple of years ago. Uh, it also shows how Pittsburgh were going that they were at seventy nine shots. Uh, in the third overtime, and it took Tampa how long to get to 85? It would have been 85 or 86, because I think 85 is the save, so they might have scored an 86 shot, I think. Um, what's really funny is in the second overtime, Casey DeSmith goes down. He was the second goalie in Pittsburgh because Jari's week to week. 
So then Louis Deming comes in, who apparently has some spicy pork dish during the overtime. <laughs> With broccoli, yes. Up, which is hilarious. Um, and he, I think he ends up making 17 saves. Um, and Pittsburgh win it. Evgeny Malkin gets the overtime winner. Um, this is a shame because the Rangers were amazing in the first period, and then they sort of laid an egg for the next uh, five periods when you look at it. Um, but they, I think they got screwed um, at that that goal that caught got, got called off. Uh, yeah, in the third. I, I was shocked. Like, how was that? Dumoulin pushed the guy in. That was the yeah. old defenseman. That was the Jeff Petrie special. Did you see, like, right as Chris Lee made the call? By, it's Chris Lee, so what a surprise. Did you see at the moment he turned around and started skating away, a beer can got chucked in his mouth? Yeah, I saw that. Like, oh, my gosh. Don't, listen, I don't like Chris Lee, but don't throw beer cans at Chris Lee. Come no. on. Don't, don't do that. I like Alex's tweet, though, the Christopher Lee. Okay, so when I first saw that, I thought of Count Dooku. Like, yeah, right? And then and then you finally tweeted, and I'm like, that's why I love Daniel. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. Oh, did you? Okay, hold on. Well, we'll get to this in a second. Did you see? Because it's May the 4th, so this is more important. Yes. Happy um, May the 4th. Did you see the Obi-Wan trailer? I did. It came out today. I am so excited, excited to see Vader whenever he shows up. That's going to be great. He must be trained like you did his father. <laughs> are they? Um, okay, so are they going to like... Are they going to... Because I didn't check. Are they going to release all the episodes at one time? Or that's going to be like... So, um, they they actually pushed back the first episode a couple of days to the Friday, and that day they're releasing the first two, and then I think it's weekly, which is okay, okay, which is I think it's six episodes. So, I guess it's because it's a limited series, so I'm assuming that means it's gonna be more than one season, right? Um, I better be, better be. (laughs) If Book of Boba had to get another season, then this better yet respect i'm so excited for it it I was really too. cool just hearing you and mcgregor speak as obi-wan again this, this guy was, does he doesn't age he he here's what's funny the the way they've done his hair in like the true like he they made him look older because if you look at just normal you know that one advertisement that he's he's with where it's i don't know what even what company is but he's like well, we're gonna regret the things we buy or the places we didn't go and his like scottish accent whatever he's from and like he, they've made him look older in the series because yeah, he hasn't aged in like a decade. Yeah, he still uh, looks like Phantom Menace Obi Wan without the beard. He did. It's 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 insane. It's insane. Uh, he's still on Tatooine. Uh, still uh, still looking for uh, still looking for those pod racers and like, your Republic credits aren't anything out here. Uh, man, I can't. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for that series. Um, but are we gonna do a bizarre adventures? Uh, Daniel, I think we might have. You know All what? Right. This is the first time I've, I think I've ever been okay with that coming back. But I think we okay. have. I think I like. I oh, think you're okay with Spider Man. Yeah, that was true. That was that was an amazing movie. I think we we I think we yeah yeah okay. Um, we'll it's a real it. shame that Hayden Christensen Hayden Christensen's a Leafs fan. That makes me really <laughs> upset that the Chosen One is a Leafs fan. That hurts. That hurts. Uh, but then again, the Habs have Vigo Mortensen, so shut up. We got the we got the last King of Gondor, so suck it. Mm-hmm. I was gonna think about that. Okay, so yeah, Hayden Christensen's the uh, celebrity because like coming into this episode, and I know we still have to talk about Pittsburgh, but because <laughs> um, like Hulk Hogan is with Tampa, but like who would be the least? Like Edge. 
Well, he. I, so it's funny because I think he's a Lightning fan now, but I think he's also secretly still kind of a Leafs fan. Yeah. No, I want a guy that he's either in or he or he, he says he's in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you got Justin Bieber. Oh, wait, just wrestlers. Yeah, I guess wrestlers. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know who's a Leafs fan. Christian, but I don't know. I think I don't. I think they're both like yeah. Both sort of because they both live in Tampa. Because they're both the same person. Yeah, both from <laughs> Orangeville. Both wow. from where I grew up. Uh, yeah. Uh, when I did cadets, we did cadets out of ODSS, which is the school they went to. Because like, but Bret Hart would be the Habs or the Nordiques? I think that's the Flames. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I'm thinking about the Montreal school. That's why they're called why. The, the Calgary Hitmen. So, How dare okay. you? <laughs> no, because I just remember this Montreal screw job. Yeah, but that was. <laughs> okay. So who would be a wrestler for the Habs? <laughs> um, I want uh, Sami Zayn. Okay. Sammy Zane is a big Habs fan. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He does like apparently he does fantasy hockey and all that. All right. Um, yeah. No, Sammy Zane in a heartbeat. We also the Leafs don't have a wrestler. I guess not. Wait, let me just search this quick. Just what wrestlers are Leafs? Toronto rest Toronto pro wrestlers. And the best you have is Hulk Hogan with his leaked videos online and just. Because the Penguins have Shawn Michaels. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Oh, Either. Trish Stratus. That's a yeah, that's a very good one. That's a very yeah. good one. Uh, that's um, really it's a really good show, actually. Yeah. yeah, okay, cool. I know that she she's back in the area. She had a uh, she has her own like yoga place. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I think there's been a few of them that have done that. I want to say good Homer. Like, it's like Tori Mitchell did it or something. I could be wrong. Uh, anyway. The hockey player? Uh no, no, like no, like a wrestler than the Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know because right? there used to be a San Jose Sharks player. Um really? Yeah, Tori Mitchell. But like it was like T-O. Oh, no, no, no. So not right. he was a hab, Tori Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. No, not Tori Wilson. Tori Wilson. Yeah. Maybe there you not. go. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, all I remember was <laughs> the wrestler was blonde, but then back in the day, that's all WWE did was use blonde wrestlers. Um, unless you were Lita. Oh, yeah. She just had those like, or China, God rest her soul. Um, yeah, yeah. It was just, it was like just them, but like they were like, but they were like different because like China was like this Amazon thing and Lita was like the crazy like blonde, oh, yeah, like the you know what I mean? Extreme, like the yeah. Hardy boy. Yeah. But it was like if you weren't like that, you were just blonde back in the day. Mm-hmm. Man, they have a really bad history. Like the yeah. stare, like I'm amazed that company is still going. Um but again, watching this as an adult, a lot of documentaries and the reports on it, not gonna lie, like it's pretty interesting to just see how they went through everything like how you know what i mean like you know because when you eventually get older and you realize that it's staged yeah. but then all this real stuff happens it's like whoa okay so there's a lot of blending between what's real and what's not it is legitimately one of the most like um what's the proper word to use here uh one of the most like contentious work environments ever yeah. the wwe it's it's fascinating it and it's see that's why like when i used to be a wrestling fan i hated people saying it was fake because it's scripted yeah but like like the injuries they suffer are like unlike anything i've ever seen some of them um anyway though uh yeah the rangers uh i always think it's, it's like you look at what tampa did and i think they admit i think Braden point was the one who said it after they won the cup, if they didn't win that game against Columbus in five OT, they don't know if they were gonna if they had lost that if they could come back. It's gonna be interesting to see how New York react to this loss. Um, because it's it's not easy to lose a, a six period game of hockey. Yeah. Um it's yeah, it's gonna be I'm gonna see how 
things are going to be for them. Uh, I think a big lesson too, because this is this is the the new range. The, in my in my opinion, th- this team being led to the playoffs are the new Rangers that they wanted to rebuild into. Yeah. Um, I think that you finally see things into fruition, and a lot of the young guys. This is their first experiences with the playoffs, so. I just want to see that. Are they going to be able to bounce back quickly? Are they going to be able to have a lot of those other young guys kind of think about, okay, this is a series we have to keep on going. And on the Pittsburgh side, I think that there is high morale there, but there's still going to be a question there in terms of their goaltending where now, like, are you going to have Louis Domingue start? Because I actually personally don't know because they traded all their goalie prospects the last few years. I don't know who they're, proposed backup would be after Louis Domingue. They called someone up. I know they, they also have a European guy. I remember Patrick, uh, not Patrick, um, Curtis was telling him, telling us about it. I, I can't remember though. Cause was, it, was, was he traded though for Ricard Raquel? Was he? I think so. Oh, and the Raquel, the hit on Raquel. I hope he's uh, apparently him and yes. Yari are day to day, which I find amazing because Raquel definitely has a concussion. Like he, yeah. He definitely has a concussion. That and how Adam Lind- no Ryan Lindgren, Ryan, yeah, Charlie. I think that was a late hit. I, in my opinion, I think that was late. The puck was already gone, and he he pushed up. I think the Rangers had a few late hits. Uh, I think Ryan Reeves just saw anyone in the corner and thought, "I'm going to crush them." Um, I didn't like the head contact, even if he didn't mean to. Uh, the the riding up thing is one of the worst arguments in hockey, uh, to me anyway. But it was um. Uh, yeah, I hope they're. I hope those guys are okay because that was a that was a smoking hit. That was a, that was rough to see. Okay, um, we have some other just little nuggets we can clean up. So first off, uh, I, next episode when we have Alex, we can talk about that Kadri piece because I have it screenshotted, but mm-hmm. I haven't read it yet. But I really want to. Uh, apparently, Kent Hughes confirmed um, that apparently Sean Burke is now a scout at the pro level and he's no longer director of goaltending. So how do you feel? I don't know what he did. Like, Kerry, no one ever asks about Sean Burke. They always ask about Lucas Raymond. And, like, I don't think Kerry has ever once mentioned Sean Burke this year. So, I, I don't care. I didn't like him being hired in the first place because of his past. Um, but, yeah, I don't like it. Uh, New Jersey also mutually part ways with a few assistant coaches, amongst them Elaine Nezardine, who I – I cannot believe how quietly it went under the bus that he didn't get the head coach full-time and they went with Lindy Ruff. I still don't know unless I've missed it, how Lindy Ruff is still the head coach, uh, unless that changes soon. Um, You know what I mean? This guy, I think Lindy Ruff has given, he's one of those coaches where, you know, sometimes they come in and then they're one and done. Lindy Ruff's a guy that he's been giving a lot, been given a lot of opportunities. Like he was with the Sabres for so long that they were so good until they had all those dreadful seasons until finally he left. And then he went to Dallas and then even in Dallas, he was given so many opportunities and then we don't hear from him for a while. And then he comes back for the devils and he's been given a lot of opportunities here as well. Maybe they shouldn't have fired John Hines because he's doing great work in Nashville. Uh, the, the Kraken have fired Andrew Allen, their goaltending coach. Um, I, I don't know if it was just on him, man. I I, there, I think there are a lot of questions to yeah. do with the goaltending. Um, Stefan Waits available. I mean, he'll, he'll kind of crap talk your team when he gets fired, but you know, um, it's it's the necessary. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the, the weight and reward of it. Uh, Darren Dreger apparently said 
uh, on TSN 690 says the only reason Shea Weber's contract wasn't moved to Arizona at the deadline was because there were papers that needed to be signed and money to be paid out. I'm assuming that's probably a signing bonus thing. Um, and um, that's probably going to be easier to, uh, sorry, let me finish this. Uh, he expects that the contract will be moved in the off season um, when they have more time to handle anything. And I'm assuming past a certain date, the signing bonus will probably be paid by the Habs. I don't know exactly what Weber's salary is, but I'm pretty sure it's really, really low after this. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think Ken Hughes said from the deadline they expect to trade in the offseason. Um, so Kevin Weebs of Sportsnet uh, apparently said, that's, you know, before that, just because we're on the Habs, just a few more quick things I want to mention. Did you see any of Guy Lafleur's funeral uh, on Sportsnet and FAS as well? Yeah, I saw parts of it. I saw like the Justin Trudeau one. I saw a lot of the a lot of the like the Leafs one where um, a lot of the alumni were also there. Um, I saw like I just saw like also um I guess pedestrian videos too of people standing in line. Yeah, well, yeah. there was like a, there were guardrails to keep people back, right? Yeah. Um, Bergeron and and, uh, and Ducharme were there. Um, oh, I didn't notice that. What, what I really wanted to mention though, besides how great it was, um, Jeanette Renault was there. Um, I, I miss her. She's for the, I, I, it's so weird to tell people what Quebec is like because Jeanette Renault is like a superstar there, but mm-hmm. I don't know how many people outside of Quebec know who she is. Um, besides the few times she's on the Haps anthems, she did, uh, she sang Lestelle. Um, could be saying that right? The Sensiel, sorry. And apparently, it was only Guy Lafleur's favorite songs. And like, I'm pretty sure she had like a heart condition a couple of years ago. Like, oh. she's lost, she looks great. She's lost a bunch of weight, looks great. And her voice is still there. And even watching it, I like, I teared up a bit. It was, uh, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Beautiful. I have to watch it again. Thank you again for uh, letting me know about that. Remind me and I can, uh, and I'll send you the link to the song. Legit, you will, uh, like, I don't know what it is with a lot of French singers. Um, they're just, their voices are so powerful, a lot of them. Um, like, it, there's a really good, the high school I went to, when you took a French class, every year you looked like a French musical. Like um, the Beau Sud de Notre Dame, which is the Hunchback in Notre Dame, obviously. Um, like a one of Romeo and Juliet. But like there were these French musicals. And there were some pretty well-known like French singers like this guy named Garo. And they're just, they're so good. Like otherworldly. Like there are some great songs like Tant de Cathedral, Belle. Uh, just some really, really good ones out there. That Obviously, you know, my music tastes are very weird. Uh, no, I like them. I like that there's a lot of variety. A lot of Japanese. Global, by the way, I love it. Yeah, just more Mr. Worldwide is what they call me. Um, I, just, I just I just don't like North American music for whatever reason. Maybe it's because it's just blasted. You know how many times in my life like, I've heard like, uh, Wait, no, they're British, right? Coldplay? Coldplay. I don't know if they're British, but I like like two of their songs. Yeah. Okay. Viva La Vida and Fix You, just because Fix mm-hmm. You is the intro for the Habs. Um, I have it on my um when I play NHL now that's in my uh, playlist by the way thank you I have like random segments of I call them hockey songs that I just put into like a Spotify playlist and then I listen to that instead of the actual audio of the game it's good because the NHL soundtrack sucks in those yeah. games uh, it sucks uh, so Chuck Fletcher GM of the uh, Philadelphia Flyers said that it really it's unfortunate Samuel Moran apparently won't be able to continue his career. And that's a guy who like has been apparently for a while trying to come back from injuries and that, you know, he's played like a bunch of different positions too. Like he played forward yeah. and D remember a guy who really seemed to like try this damnness to come back. Uh, it's just unfortunate. We've talked about it before. Um, what a shame that a guy's career has to end like that. 
yeah it was really sad for me because i've been following this guy like you know since the real juniors to be honest um um i've followed his career he's only 26 has to retire but he was that guy where he was a bit of a stretch pick when the flyers took him 11th overall but they wanted to mold him but the injuries especially after his junior career really held him back i remember he tore his acl um the flyers let him recover he came back and then he tore that same acl to begin the season and apparently ever since that, I think that was about three, four years ago, um, the knee just never fully healed. And he did his best. I remember he came out saying that, listen, if I don't work on defense, um, I'll model my game after like a Matt Martin type of guy. He just wants to be in the NHL. And it was just unfortunate things couldn't work. But I like to see that there were a lot of comments on the Flyers are really good with their alumni, really good with their player relations that they're still trying to find a spot for him yeah. in the organization. Perfect. Yeah. Um, a job thing being discussed with them, apparently also Fletcher added. Um, and to finish off, we can talk about the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, I don't Your know. favorite team. I yeah. don't have uh, my favorite <laughs> team to rip. Um, okay. I, I feel bad for Jets fans here, honestly. First off, Kevin Sheveldayov, um, Kevin Weebs of Sports and apparently reported that he's gotten a three-year extension. Okay. I just, I, just, I think I look, I look back to last season, right? And, yeah. Um, like it just after what happened with Jenner and Block, yeah, he wasn't tied to anything malicious. Um, I don't think he should have a job then. And after an abysmal season like that, you decide to bring him back. What are we thinking? It's not even just that. This is, let me just set a few things up here. We can just get a sense of what where the Winnipeg Jets are. Apparently, also, uh, Elliot Friedman, or sorry, not Elliot, Frank Sirivali, the man, the myth, the legend. Um, the Jets are planning to coup, uh, completely overhaul their coaching staff. Interim head coach Dave Lowry, assistant Jamie Compound, uh, Charlie Huddy are all not returning. Apparently, Huddy had been through them for uh, with them through numer- numerous head coaches. Uh, that speaks to just say longer than Paul Maurice because he was there for like a decade. Yeah, um, yeah. Sounds like Wade Flattery will remain on staff. Um, apparently, I think they said also that um, that Larry will have a chance to interview, which um, why would he? Because he obviously don't think he's good enough. So that seems kind of counterintuitive. But on top of all that, Mark Shifley had a press conference that was all about me, I, I need to, me, me, I. Mark Shifley. Uh, decided to go out to the media and basically say, I'm paraphrasing here, I need to see where this organization is going. Talked about he was in his prime. He's getting better and better. Um, You'll be better next year. I mean, just back check and you're going to be fine, my friend, but whatever. Um, And talked about he was going to have a difficult meeting with Kevin Jevildayov about his future for the Jets. (sighs) Daniel. The wrong power move, in my opinion. This was, this. yeah, this is not a Gordon Bombay power move. Uh, this is a Brad Marchand embarrassment moment of behavioral embarrassment. It was bad. Um, you know, I just can't help but think, Daniel, statistically, I think his defensive numbers were worse than Patrick Line this year, but he's not as talented as an offensive player as Patrick Line. He's a loser. He doesn't like, um, you know, he just got, he, he put his team in a bad position last year in the playoffs when he threw that completely reckless hit and concussed Jake Evans, you know, just took himself out of the series and they get swept. Nice job. Uh, he hates crossing the other side of the blue line to back check. And he's going to go on about his prime. What he it just, 
Really? I, I didn't. Leader. Be part of the solution, not a problem. I didn't like it at all. Yeah, like I didn't like how it it was a very like what's in it for for me at this point. Um, I think that the Jets already had that idea, like, and you know, it's all alleged things that they had this culture in the locker room, and then Shifley was just one of them, along with Blake Wheeler, and then now they're starting to see that that core for how talented they are it's just not working there it's not it, it's not getting them wins it's not getting them any consistency and I, I don't know what they're going to do at this point right now because this just adds another layer to things because they have to resign Pierre-Luc Dubois soon um all right this is what's really interesting is Pierre-Luc Dubois the other day said I want to be in Winnipeg <laughs> you know you're yeah. like yeah I want to be here and then Mark Seifley, who after this season has two more years at $6.1 million, has a letter on his jersey. Like, if you, want, if you want out, there's a way to go about it. Do it privately. On media, like, it, ah. Like, but to go out and be like, oh, I'm all about this, showing zero accountability. The, I joked about this with, with the guys. The only time Mark Shifley has ever shown accountability on the ice is when he threw a suicide pass to Patrick Line and Jake McCabe like flattened him on center ice and concussed. Didn't mean it was a clean hit, but accidentally concussed Patrick Line and Shifley stood up for him because he realized it was his fault. I feel bad for Jets fans. Then they got to deal with him. That too. Like there's this abundance of talent of this effort to, you know, it's, it's crazy. Like these stories are coming out and they finally have arguably two top centers who could play the top six. Mm-hmm. And then they've been able to recover a lot of that defensive depth after they lost a lot of it a few seasons ago. And then now it just, I don't know. It's just kind of like, I guess, what are we going to do? We're going to get rid of one guy or we're going to tear this down. What are we going to do? I think, uh, who was it as well? Uh, I think Friedman said on the 32 Thoughts podcast that maybe there could be other guys in Winnipeg who may want out and ask Buck on their Hellebuck, which my Hellebuck to the Leafs thing is that much closer to happening. Um, there's a lot going on in Winnipeg. Um, I listen, I don't know who they go for a coach. I, I would really hope they're, they're sensible and they're not one of the teams that are reportedly interested in Quindle. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, if uh, seriously, if, 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 if Shovel Day Health thinks it's a good idea to bring him in, or even Mark Chipman, the owner, thinks that's a good idea. I, we land-based them. Um, I don't know. Or maybe Bruce Boudreau, because there seems to be some cat and mouse going on in Vancouver. But we'll, uh, we'll see. Uh, we talk about more, but I think it's enough time for today. That in my throat is starting to go out on me. Uh, okay. Yeah. Daniel, thank you for today. I think it was a good episode. Thank you for having me. I mean, you know, you're <laughs> always on here. So you know, it's your podcast, too. Alex and I... Uh... Said that one day there's going to be a point where it's going to be just one of us doing these. And then I said, it's perfectly okay. Like, we'll just talk, like, one person will just talk for an hour. It's just, I mean, that's what Bob McKenzie did for his podcast. Mm-hmm. He just did the, and then, you know, that's why I stopped listening to it. <laughs> the only thing he ever kept doing. Yeah. But yeah. Barbie Marmarie Margarita. Uh, apparently, it's, I've heard mixed reviews. I've heard it's very sour, which is weird. Um, anyway, I don't drink, so I can't really mm-hmm. comment, but I've, I've heard mixed things from trusted sources. Uh, we'll say, um, anyway, thank you for listening. Um, we'll be back probably Sunday. 
What's really funny is um, not if, if if my if my dates properly here. Next Wednesday, I believe we will have the fallout of the draft lottery. Yeah. So I will either be very happy or to quote Jim Matheson, pissy, depending on how that goes for Montreal, which means we can also talk about uh, who maybe Montreal are taking. So here's the thing. If it's first overall, it's going to be a very short discussion. Um, <laughs> but if, it's, if it falls to three or two, it's a much broader one. We so, can talk um, about it. We can even talk about the later rounds too. Just see, like, look on the list and say, okay, who do you want the Habs to take? I don't know if the deep drafts that well. Um, by the way, Riley Kidney got signed to an ELC today. So oh, congrats to him. Yeah, good guy. Uh, great name, Riley Kidney. Okay, thank you for listening, and we will see you on Sunday. And Alex will hopefully be here. Um, uh, him and his uh, his Cineplex dinner he ordered yesterday. Um, anyway, uh, he wouldn't tell Mike and I because he thought we were making fun of him. And partly we were. Anyway, uh, thank you and goodbye. Bye, guys. Bye.